faded off. Oh, well, that was good. It has been such a joy to be with y'all here at uh, Sharon Camp. I've had a good time. Um, I, I have too good a time sometimes on the platform, and um, you know I hope you don't take that as a, a sacrilegious way of presenting the gospel and the word of God. Um, but I just hope that instead, maybe the 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 craziness that sometimes I come across with will be something that you can hold on to to remind you about what this holy life is all about. Now, I have, um, I am not known for being mechanically inclined. My wife is the amen corner. I tinker with things that are broken sometimes to try to fix them so that I don't have to pay money to get them fixed. And all it really usually ends up being is I have to go buy something totally new because I have messed it up beyond repair. I keep trying though. One day I'm going to get it right. Nowadays, you can just turn on YouTube and you can find out how to fix just about anything. We had this 48-inch uh, TV, LED TV, and it went kaput. So instead of trying, TVs have become so cheap. Shoot, throw the thing out and get a new one. No, I go to YouTube and I watch how this guy said on this particular model, this part usually burns out first and you need to replace these backlight inverter. So, I went online and ordered a backlight inverter. Fortunately, YouTube told me exactly what to do. How to take that TV apart. How to go in there and how to pull that part out after you take out 4,000 screws. And I didn't end up putting them all back in somehow or another. Why have I got all these extra parts? And in putting that in, when I hooked up the main power board, it blew the main power board. So I went online. I ordered a new main power board. By this time, I've already got $300 into the repair of this TV that I don't know is going to work or not. So finally, I got that part in and it worked and everything worked. And I put it all back together with a few extra screws just laying around. And it is now in our little living room in our mountain house, just glowing so beautifully on four channels. <laughs> Somehow or another, I messed up all of its inputs, and so one HDMI thing works, and three don't. 
And the AV thing works, but another thing don't. I just ain't any good at that. One time when I was in college, we had been married, and, and I'm going back to school, and I was a... Um, uh, I was a music major, and I was trying to put all of this together real quick. I'm, I'm trying to cram my last two years into about 14 months. And so I'm going year-round. And at the same time, I'm a Methodist youth minister. So I got up one Friday morning. The routine was, I go in, I turn the hot water on in the shower, do something else while it takes 30 minutes for the hot water to get, sort of like here. For the hot water to finally get there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I better not go there. So after the normal time, I went in to check the water to see if it was hot. It wasn't. It was cold as ice. Kind of like this morning. Now, I'm smart enough to know that this is an electric water heater and something must be wrong with the electricity. So I went to the panel. I opened the panel, looked at all of the the switches. Fortunately, this house was modern enough to have the the switches instead of the little screw things because I'd have probably killed myself with those old fuses that you screw in. You know, I would put a penny in it or, or put aluminum. Anybody ever do that? Uh, you know, put the aluminum foil in it. Uh, no, no, uh-uh. Don't do that. So, sure enough, all of them were on the right side as being on, except the one about right here that was halfway. It had tripped. I flipped it off, because you've got to start with off before you can turn it back on. That's just a little tidbit for you. It took me three times to figure that out. You switch it off, and you switch it back on. I felt really good, but I knew it was going to take a few minutes for this to warm up because the hot water heater has to heat the water. So I figured I'm going to be in for a morning of probably not making it to school. I stepped away. I went three steps, and I heard click. Galatians talks about this war. Between the flesh and the spirit. That morning, this war was going on in my house. I would flip the switch, it would flip off. I'd flip the switch, it would flip off. I'd flip the switch and finally I said, something's wrong with the water heater. Duh. The water heater was in the garage, set up on a shelf. Why? I guess for a little extra pressure to come down. And I saw that there was a faucet, a spigot, at the bottom of the hot water tank. And I knew if I'm going to fix this, I need to drain the water. I'm smart. I put the hose on the tank. I ran it outside the garage. I turned that spigot on. That water ran forever and ever and ever until finally there's nothing coming out. I said, good, it's done. So I got my wrenches out. I'm going to pull out the water heater element. That's what's wrong with it. I figured that out. 
So I, there are four. There are four. <laughs> there are four bolts that hold that thing in. And they had been sitting in that position for twenty years, and they weren't budging. I had a wrench on it. I had a pipe on the end of the wrench. And I am putting all the torque I can possibly put on that thing to make that thing get loose. I had to remember, righty-tighty, lefty-loosey. So I, I, I'm doing this. I'm pulling that thing down. Finally, three of them were out, and I broke the fourth bolt. My neighbor... Um, he had a little tap and die set, and he said, here, you need to use this. You just drill into that, and you, you just, uh-uh. That didn't work either. I did because I had those three off, and the head of the other one was off because it had broken. I was able to finally pull this element out of the water heater. I got my shower right then and there. Because not all of the water had gone out that hose. When I pulled the element out, whoosh! It was at about this level, which is where most showers are when I stand in them, because they don't make them for tall people. And I I got drenched until all that water was gone, and I couldn't figure out, why is all that extra water there? So I, I... put the flashlight on and looked inside the hole and it was full of sediment. We are in Florida where the water was full of iron and what it had done is collected over those 20 years this pile, okay, here's the water heater and it's this thick of sediment. It probably was 40 years old. Although, back then they didn't have electricity. like So, now here's the problem. There's a hole about this big. And there's a tank full of sediment. And if I'm going to replace that element, it's not going to do any good to replace it unless I get rid of the sediment. I went in the house, into the kitchen, and I got... A serving spoon. I pulled one spoonful of sediment out at a time. I'm not right. So, about three hours later, I've gotten most of the sediment out and I go down to a parts place... And I said, I need one of these. And I showed them this uh, partial element. And he looked at it and said, that's rather obsolete. Maybe we have one back in, in the warehouse somewhere, but, but that just, that, that's obsolete. Well, he did come out with one that at least had the four holes that I could match up. So he said, try this. So I took it back. And I put three screws in. And I had the brilliant idea that if you 
coat it first with permatex is what we called it back in the day. Um, it was a gasket material that you, you put around in, in engines and stuff. And this is like permanent. Nobody's ever going to repair this water heater again. So I covered the outside of it, of the, the rim of it, with permatex. And I shoved it in there and I screwed those three bolts out of the four. I filled in the, the hole with the permatex for the fourth bolt so that it wouldn't leak either. And then I hooked up the power. I turned on the water. I forgot that little step. You, you have to turn off the water at the top before you can turn off the water at the bottom, you know, whatever. So I, I turned back on the water. I let it get hot. The switch quit breakering on me. And about an hour later, the water was warm enough for me to take a shower. Meanwhile, I've wasted an entire morning. Friday night is our youth program. And every Friday night, we'd have 75 to 125 high schoolers and college-age kids over at the Methodist Church, and we'd have our own little worship service. And, uh, you know, I was supposed to bring the Word every Friday night. I said, well, what am I going to do now? I'm, I'm not prepared. And this vision from heaven. Said, tell them the parable of the water heater. <laughs> what you mean, Lord? What lesson did you learn from that water heater? Okay. So tonight is the parable of the water heater. Slightly better than, than what I presented on that Friday night, I hope. Our lives start out with a purpose that God has created us for a particular purpose. When we come to Him and we give our heart to Him and we ask Him to fill us with Himself, to make us new, we are a new creation, right? Ephesians says, we are God's masterpiece his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works in other words we are created for a specific reason to work the way God wanted us to work and when we are new Hebrews 12 14 says without holiness no man will see God so part of that newness is that God declares us Holy. Oh, what a glorious thing. Unfortunately, there's a side of that story that says we have to be holy. We have to continue to be holy. God declares us holy, and then we have to live 
a holy life. Well, when we are that pristine new water heater, we work exactly like we're supposed to. But over time, sediment gets in to that water heater all the way to the point that eventually it will corrode the power that makes that water hot. You hear that parable? We have creeping in with us over this period of time the struggle with sin. And sin is that sediment that makes holy people unholy. God wants us to be holy. But because the sin is so subtle at the beginning, then we begin to short-circuit without even knowing it. Hmm. Perhaps you've heard the the illustration about the frog, the frog being a cold-blooded reptile. You throw it, or amphibian, which it's an amphibian. I was real good in science, too. And you put this cold-blooded amphibian in a pot of boiling water, and it will jump out. However, if you put it in room temperature water, it will start swimming. Does the frog kick? Some of you who are swimmers would understand that. Never mind. Some things just go, you know, leave it. Thank you, sir. If you put it in a, a, a pot of regular room temperature water and you turn the heat up, the frog never realizes that it's getting hot because it's a cold-blooded animal. It just kind of absorbs its surroundings to the point that a frog will boil to death because it doesn't realize the water's hot. You probably have experienced that too, that when you're taking a warm shower, it seems to get cooler as your body gets used to it and you have to turn it up a little bit more until finally you could scald yourself if you don't pay attention. In the same way, sin gets into our lives and begins to short-circuit us and we don't even know it. We don't feel it. We don't sense it until we're well into it. And then it's like, how can I get out of this? You know, the Bible has several definitions of sin. And and I'm just going to uh, hope that my iPad actually works. In 1 John, the third chapter, verses 4 to 6, it says this. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that He appeared so that He might take away our sins. And in Him is no sin. Listen to this very carefully. No one who lives in Him keeps on 
sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. If we continue sinning, we have just separated ourselves from God. Sin is lawlessness. A couple chapters later in 1 John 5, verses 18 and 19, we know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The one who is born of God keeps them safe, and the evil one cannot harm them. We know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. Pastor Dan talked about that this morning in our uh, Bible study. And shame on you all for not being here. Good stuff. But in these last days, the whole world is under the control of the evil one. And if we don't resist, if we continue to sin, then we were going to find out that God has kind of severed himself from us. I sure don't want that to happen. In James, the fourth chapter, verse 17, it says, If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Okay, so we've had lawlessness, uh, not doing, not hitting the mark. That's what sin means. We, we don't hit the mark. Uh, you know, and it, the way I shoot an arrow, that makes a whole lot of sense. The way I put together a hot water heater makes a whole lot of sense. We miss the mark, but sometimes we just don't do something that we should do. And that, too, is sin. I bet there have been times when the Lord has impressed on you and laid on your heart to do something for someone. Go talk to that person over there and pray with them. They're going through a struggle. You don't need to know what that struggle is. They know they're going through it. You need to go talk to them. Anyone experience something like that? And when we say, not me, God. That'll make me look silly. That'll make me look foolish. You know, how arrogant to say that, you know, God told me to pray with you. I was in a service one time, and, and God gave me a, a word of knowledge. That's, that's one of these gifts where, where He wants me to call out somebody there and say, God wants to heal you. It is somebody that has a, a, a very bad back. Something's wrong with your back. And God had told me, and He had never done that before. And I said, uh-uh, God, I'm not doing that. So we had an altar call. And I'm working at the altar. And this guy comes up and he says, I'm here because God told me I'm supposed to come up and have my back healed. Ouch. You know, God could have blessed me with that wonderful blessing of obedience, if I had just said that, then, then 
you know, it would be like, look, see? But no, it was more of a, ouch, because I knew that. I believe that God is still calling us to do things through His Spirit. And if we are not obedient, we miss the blessing. Not only the person that perhaps we're supposed to pray with, or the person that we're supposed to call, or the person that we're supposed to just send a note to. You remember what those are? Notes? And we become so digital that kind of gets messed, messed up in the translation. But God wants us to do the things He says to do. And if we don't do what we ought to do, it is sin. Okay, so sin's getting a little more complicated here. It's not just breaking God's laws. Someone once counted all the laws, not only in in the Old Testament, but in all of the rabbinical writings, you know, because they had their own set of laws that go along with the Old Testament laws, and and there were 34,000 of them. I have a hard time remembering the Ten Commandments. I'm so glad that, that Jesus summed it all up in two. Love God, love people. I'm so glad that Paul summed it up in the same way in Galatians 5.14 when he said, all the law is summed up in this. I sit up and take notice when he says, all of it is summed up in this. Thou shalt love. So if you're going to be obedient to God, it involves love. You know, some things aren't so black and white as far as whether it's a sin or not. Some people get convicted of things that I've never been convicted of. The Bible doesn't say anything about it. You you understand what I'm saying? I knew a guy, a preacher, who who had reached a point of, of holiness... That he would not on Sunday read the comic papers. God never convicted me of that. I just don't read them anymore because they're not funny anymore. (laughs) But that was something pretty much, you know, it's like, wow. If that's all God's being able to convict you of, you know, you're you're pretty good. I I once uh, took up Wood carving. I say I took it up. I threw it down. I was at a week at camp. I was spending a week um, at, at a Salvation Army camp, a youth camp. And I had a lot of spare time in the afternoons. So I went and I bought some X-Acto knives. I bought a, a piece. I went down to the lumber yard and I got some pine because it's very soft, and I didn't want to work hard. So I got this pine, and I brought it back to the camp, and I'm sitting under a tree, you know, put a little straw in my mouth. you got to put the straw in your mouth to look like you're whittling, you know. And I started, and I was going to do a dove on this piece of about 8 by 10 board. So I drew the dove, and it looked kind of like a dove, 
And so I, I started taking off big old pieces of that wood. I had a, an exacto knife that would just, I mean, I would cut down, you know, it's, it's a two-inch thick board, and I'm trying to make it so that it's about an inch in relief there, you know. So I'm cutting off things and chopping out, and, you know, pretty soon I had this one-inch board with this other inch uh, of dove on top. Yes, I was very good at it. And then I started making the little cuts to make it look like a dove. And the more I cut, and the finer the cuts got, the harder it became. And as I began to just trim off little tiny pieces this time, as I'm doing feathers, thank God for Elmer's glue. As I was doing feathers, I, I'd made little layers of, of circles, you know, and I'm making feathers. And I'm getting another vision from God about the parable of the dove. It ended up looking like a pig. But it is exactly how God deals with the sin in our hearts. He lops it off. And then over the period of time, He continues to shape us into the image of Jesus Christ. And those little cuts are the ones that are most painful. The more we grow into the likeness of Jesus, the finer the cuts have to be that He makes. And He is constantly sculpting us to be the image of His Son. There are those things, though. One of them was in Romans when uh, there was a controversy about whether we eat meat offered to idols. I'm not going to give you all the theological stuff about how, what that was meaning in that particular day. Paul was pretty much saying, you know, it really doesn't matter what you do unless it's offending somebody else. And you need to be careful not to offend somebody else. And he says this, whoever doubts in what he is doing is condemned if he eats because their eating is not from faith and everything that does not come from faith is sin. So if this voice has said to you, even though there's nothing in the Word of God that says, don't do this. I'm sure we can find some text about the Internet in here. But the Internet has become, as, as Pastor Dan said this morning, the Internet has become such a gateway to sin. 65% of the men in church today, not just this church, in churches today, regularly view pornography. 65%. Why? You can do it in the, the quiet of your house. The secrecy, nobody's watching. 
Somebody's watching. Google's watching. God's watching. And if you know in your heart you shouldn't be going there, and you go there anyway, it is sin. I pray that God will guard your hearts against those types of sins. That God in this, I don't think I could grow up being a young person today. I'd have probably already died. You've got it so much tougher as far as the temptations than we in my generation ever had. I understand that. We had our set of temptations and we had our set of falling away from God. But things have just escalated so much that for you in these rows, man, it is tough to be a Christian. It is tough. And you're probably struggling with some sins that that I haven't even mentioned. I I remember hearing about the, the preacher who was preaching a sermon on the seven deadly sins. And somebody came out afterwards and said, would you list those again for me? I missed some of them. The reason being, I, I think I might want to try some of those. Tell me those seven again. I, I, I think I've missed them. I don't want you getting involved in those. Miss them. <laughs> and live a holy life. Live a holy life. Galatians, the fifth chapter. Starting with the 19th. Uh, excuse me, starting with the, uh, the 16th verse. So I say, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit. And the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. And I mentioned about the little cartoon characters. You know, you got the, the good and the bad, and they're, they're constantly talking in your head. They have an interesting conversation going on up here all the time. You can just imagine what goes on in my head. Now, maybe you can't. And then Paul to the Galatians lists the fruits of the unholy spirit. He says this, The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. I don't even know what debauchery is. Debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies. And if he hadn't thought of them all, he says, and the like. There they are. That's the fruit of an unholy life. Now, it may not start out like that. Because little by little, that sediment is building up in our holy life. But it usually will manifest itself like that. And the fruit of unholiness is sin. Here's the great news. But the fruit of the Spirit 
is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such thing there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Galatians 2.20 is my life verse. I am crucified with Christ. You know, I, I keep telling you all these crazy things that I dabble in. I always wanted to be an artist, but the only thing I can draw is flies. I wanted to paint a picture of Calvary with Jesus in the middle. And Rick Michaels on the right. You know, it was the one on the right who said, Lord, remember me. Lord, take me into paradise with you. Lord, save me. And I wanted to be that one on the right in my painting world that I can't do. Although with Photoshop, I could probably do it now. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and He gave Himself for me. This holy God wants to clean out your water heater. I wish they had made a self-cleaning water heater. But they don't. Nor is there a self-cleaning human being. It takes the cleansing blood of Jesus Christ. He paid it all. All to Him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain or a water heater full of sediment. And he washed it white as snow. Here's what I would like to ask you to do tonight. I'd like you to turn off that switch that has been short-circuited And turn it back on and allow the Spirit of God to cleanse you first of all and then fill you up with Himself. Jonathan's going to come and and lead that song. If you need it, it's number 127 in, in the book. And I want to give you that opportunity tonight just to come to this place of prayer that we've talked about. is nothing magical or mystical. It's a place of grace and not disgrace. And God's grace wants to come and pour Himself on you and in you. Jesus paid it all. All to Him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Won't you come as we sing?
invite you to accept the cleansing power of Jesus. Jesus paid us. Don't you come? All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed in white Any of you struggling with that tonight? That you've had this battle going on inside? You, you've had a, a maybe a verse 19 to 21 battle going on when verse 22 and 23 is saying, listen, I can make this all different. It's not an easy battle. It's a constant battle. But God is looking for young people, older people, looking for us all to be holy people. And that can only happen when we're filled with His holiness. We're going to sing one more verse. And I invite you to come. If, if you just want to come and say, Okay, God, here it is, every bit of it. You paid it all. just allow grace to play that and examine yourself or maybe God's saying go pray with somebody else and not to do so is a sin
allow the Spirit of God to continue to work on those who've come. If you would like to join them around the altar and pray for them, or to pray for yourself, we're just going to take our time to do that this evening.
if you need if you need to leave, leave quietly and allow them to continue. If you'd like to stay and just be here in, pre- in his presence, that's fine as well. Just keep in mind uh, the kids will be out collecting change after the service and then tomorrow's missionary day. So make sure you're aware, 2 o'clock and 7 o'clock. Again, keep the Lord's presence with you as, as you leave.